Hey, this is The Moment. I'm Brian Koppelman. Thanks for listening. My guest, you know, it's so funny, Justine. Um, I literally was about to just go Mallory's here, which is like your whole book. Because, <laughs> you know. Well, then that that's interesting. Right? Okay, then why is that? Right. Well, this is what your book's about. Right. Is so, yeah. the idea of this. Well, you're, so Justine Bateman is here, who is most famous. We're going to use the word fame a lot today. Um <laughs> who is most famous for being Mallory on Family Ties, um, but who's had a long, um, a, a career and a life of of trying to figure out what she really wants to be, where she really fits, and what makes, uh, this is all in this new book that she wrote, which is called Fame, and um, how she wanted to process the sort of result of being Mallory on Family Ties and, and use it and relate to it for the rest of, of your life in a way. Yeah, I guess, but it's interesting that, that, um, that you brought that up, that your, you know, your well, first thought myself. was to say that, right? Um, because the truth is for me, like I never had to go through a period where I'm trying to reconciliate, you know, how do I now be something other than Mallory? Cause for me, it was an acting job. Of so, course. And then after that acting job, I did other acting jobs. And then that went into, um, writing and producing and directing and, and and going to school and all this sort of thing. So for me, the trajectory was made complete sense, but to many others, and you know, it's one of the things I write in the book about inadequacy because they knew you as because when you hit the height of fame relative to the rest of your life, it was that moment of being Mallory. Everything else after it is is not seen almost unless it's yeah, somebody Yeah, well, that's really, why I didn't say it. I mean, that's really is, why I was saying it. Yeah. Why I'm saying that, which is, you know, you and I are the born two months apart. Oh, that's so yeah. cool. So I fully sort of am aware of the way the world, when I was reading your book, you know, the things you were talking about, about the culture. Yeah. I completely, we're, I mean. How unfractured the audience all, was. I mean, the fact that. of the number of people who watched your show. I mean, how many people watch your show every night live when it aired? Well, it was, I mean, on average, it was around, you know, like 30 million. But we got up, you know, when we were like at our height, when like Cosby Show was number one, Family Ties was number two, I think it was something like 50, 60 million people. Yeah, I mean, that, nothing is like that except the Super Bowl now. And the, maybe the exactly. Oscars, maybe, right? Well, I mean, no. I mean, people right, well, say the ratings right, are going the down. Are going down. But yeah, the Super Bowl but, for sure. But so if you were number two or three on the call sheet of a show like Family Ties, the kind of fame you had is hard in this age for people to really um, understand. Yeah. yeah, there were not, you didn't have that many options watching TV. You were also, it was appointment television. There were, you four, know. Cha- there were four networks. There were four networks. And there was nothing else really. Nothing else. You either do that, you went to the arcade or you went to the movie theater. Or if you're in New York, you go. You can go see a play or something, but that was it. And also everyone was going to be talking about it the next day. So you had to be sure to watch it, even if there just was not that as much choice. And so you're seared in the consciousness of this generations of people, right? So the teenagers who were your age were watching one way. Then there were kids younger who were looking at it another way. And then the parents of people like us were watching the show too. And so you were seared into the consciousness as a certain thing. And, you know, you're the, the biggest star on the show went on to this unbelievable movie success. Um, and then, so what people were left with was this idea. He he was able to redefine himself. And then, as you say, you were kind of frozen in time in certain ways to, to people. Good you point. personally Good weren't. point, because, yeah, unless something uh, overwhelms, unless, unless, unless your fame doing something else overwhelms the level of fame you had before, like Mike Fox's fame, um, on Back to the Future overwhelmed his fame, the level of fame he had on Family Ties for sure. Like to someone like me, and you know, I've done. He's both Marty McFly and Alex Keaton, right? Right. I mean, he's of both. Course. To me, he's both things. Yeah. But I think to most people, he's Marty McFly now. Because it overwhelmed it, right? And I, if and if either one, if either Mike or I were to do something now that that reached a level of fame that overwhelmed that level then that's what would be, you know, the the lead uh, in our obituary. Well, it's amazing the way you talk about it. I have organized series of questions about this, and I want to encapsulate with you what the book is talking about, because it's crucial in an era that elected Donald Trump. And this isn't liberal or Democrat, just the fact, liberal or Republican, or the, um, just the fact of 
the way we relate to this thing called fame, which is what you're really talking about. But the way you talk about Travolta as being one of the only people who somehow over and over was able to redefine it is amazing. Yeah, I mean, you don't, I mean, uh, it, it appears to me that either you reach a height of fame and then you, and then that fame, you know, dissipates and you carry on with your life and you have a wonderful life, but, um, or don't, but, um, and then there's some for whom fame is, is long and sustained, like, you know, Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, something, and, and that's very unusual. But then, yeah, to, to see John Travolta, first of all, he also crossed the membrane between TV and film back when nobody was doing that. You know, it was very distinct. You were actually either an actor on TV or an actor on film. So he's a unicorn in that sense, first of all. And then he reached these high highs of fame with um, like Saturday Night Fever and, well, Welcome Back, well, Cotter, Saturday Grease. Night Fever, Grease. And then just as fame-wise, I'm not talking about him personally or anything like that, fame-wise took a nosedive. And After the look doing, who's talking pictures, he was sort of considered a joke in a way. He would be a punchline. Right. And and then. And then as soon as he did. Um, Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. He shot up again and he's remained up there. And and that's very unusual. It's. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't offhand think of another person. But the great, that's true. the great thing about you using that is then it forces us to look at everybody else who isn't that. And say mm-hmm. that that's what mo- for most people. So, all right. I want to. Um. And they say like, oh, he came back, you know, it's his comeback. Uh, he's back. All right. He's, and you go like, well, wait a minute though. He was still a valid person. He was still doing best work he knew how. There's no difference between him the day before the premiere of Pulp Fiction and the day after. But in the public's eye, it's almost like, thank God. Oh, you know, it was a close call there. You know, thank God you're back on yeah. the level you're supposed well, to be on when it's not something you can control. And I think that's a, um, I think the public is very misguided in that sense. I think there's an, I think they imagine that it's something you can control. That, that section of your book where you um, are able to break down, deconstruct why the fans are almost angry with you mm-hmm. when you're not as famous as you were. And I will get to that. For me, it was like um, just an incredibly brilliant insight when um, you sort of compare it to the way they feel about a buddy, a friend of theirs who, <laughs> you know. Yeah, there's a, I, uh, yeah, I go into, I, I think, you know, this, I'm kind of interested in doing it as a one woman show with some, with some helpers. And, uh, and one of the parts that would be fun to do is the one you just mentioned where, I uh, imagine that you know. Hey, let's say you're a fr- you're somebody, and you're at the county fair, and you got a buddy whose whose name gets picked out of the fishbowl when the um, the fair queen, you know, p- does the raffle, right? So it'd be fun then to have somebody to have other other people come in and play that out as you're talking about it. But yeah, where you go, like, hey, by association, by association, you are then uh, as famous as him because yeah. you're his good buddy and hey hey and it's and it's almost like there's something about this friend that perhaps drew it to him and then so next time you're in a similar situation you almost now you've sort of absorbed being the friend of somebody famous or you know somebody who who won the raffle right let's use that small example and so you're invested in that now so when it happens again, you're in that situation and you expect that he's going to win because you assume like, you know, he sort of brings these things to himself and he doesn't win. Now you're kind of fucked because you invested in it. You sort of talk to other people like, yeah, oh, is he my buddy? <laughs> you know, come on. We're, we're very close. Right. We're very close. And, you know, well, there's going to be another drawing. What do you think? He's like, well, he's got it in the bag. I mean, come on, this, this guy, he's this. Yeah. And then he doesn't do it. And then everybody comes to you and go, hey, about that thing you said was so sure. And now you feel like, now you're just Your buddy let you down just by not having his name pulled again from yeah. the thing. Well, yesterday there was a thing on, on Twitter um, and I thought of you. Someone posed the question like, um, have you ever known someone before they were famous and been friends with someone before they were famous 
And then as they got famous, and then what happened? Are you still, do you still know mm, them? How did and I miss it, that? Yeah, you gotta, I meant to tag you in it. Um, I'll find it. And, and okay, Eric Albert, I think, who posts a lot of these things, like questions like that. But um, I thought it was fascinating to look at the answers. And most of them yeah. were like, that fucker stopped talking to me. <laughs> you know, when you know what, the, I mean, you know what the dynamic really um, probably um, was. Yeah. And I, like you, I've been around a number of people before they were famous and then became famous. And it is not something I... I want everyone to get their dreams. It takes a, it takes years to get used to what happens. Yeah, and it's not only, but so sometimes the the famous person themselves, you know, the person becoming famous changes. They change a lot, but sometimes it's more so the people around them change a lot. You know, people you've known for years are suddenly behaving differently to you and expecting you to show up at their daughter's. Uh, yeah, to take they your fame is their fame because now people are saying. Uh, oh, hey, aren't you friends with so-and-so? Can you come and, and have them uh, come and uh, run this charity thing that we're doing? And because now they now this attention that you're getting is is dependent on you getting this famous person to come show up. And so you go to your famous friend and you go like, hey, man, can you come do this thing? It's just no big deal. And your friend's like, well, I can't. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to be on location. And now you're like, shit, now my whole reputation with this other person that asked me to get my famous friend is on the line. Right, I look like a dick. right. And so you get pissed off. Um, and another thing I want to mention, there was a, a, a documentary on HBO called Lucky about people who had won the lottery. And this, this great quote from one of the winners, and he said, he said, uh, winning the lottery is like miracle growth for your character defects. Yeah. And fame can be that for some people because, um, yeah, it can, it can, it's like water that gets poured on something. And it goes in all the cracks. And if you've got some cracks that are, that have to do with self-esteem or ego or anything, and that water goes in, fills it up, shores it up, you're like, I'm fucking on top now. And also, if you've got any resentments against other people that had had success in the past, then it's like, oh, fuck you guys, I'm fucking there now. Now, extremely dangerous situation to be in because when the fame starts fading later, and it will, I mean, unless you're Brad Pitt, and even Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise is gonna ebb and flow slightly, but it's at a particular level that doesn't seem to ever change. When that starts dissipating, you're in big trouble because now that water's gonna flow out and, and those cracks now have been eroded. The original cracks oh, yeah. weren't as bad then as they are now, because yeah. once the water's come out, the water, while it's been in there, has eroded it, and now you are stuck with some massive but, problems in your foundation. Yes, but I want to say that the book, although although you have degrees in this stuff, and you're um, educated, and you set out to kind of write a sociological study, yeah. a dispassionate sociological study, and you told your editors, I'm not going to write a memoir. The book is not a dry study dispassionately presented. The yeah. the book ends up being, I think, like one of the most personal and passionate books I, I've read in a long oh, time. Thank you. And so I just want to like, what happened? Like, why did you say, like, can you just walk us through, because you've really written um, through the prism of your own life and experiences, and you do it in an unvarnished way, man. You offer yourself very little protection in the book. You you know, you chose a voice and a tone that's very in our face. And then you turn that tone and that incisiveness on yourself. So like what happened that um, made you decide to write it this personally, to go this deep on yourself? And why was this subject important enough yeah. for you to turn yourself inside out? Well, the book started, it's a great question. And the book started, um, I was in my um, sophomore year at UCLA, uh, more recently, at, just at so people know. Years yeah, old. yeah, just so people know. Not when I was, uh, you know, uh, 20 or 18. Um, so, and I started thinking about the phenomenon of fame, how when you're in a restaurant, as soon as a famous person walks in the room, this wave of recognition uh, sort of washes through the room and people will change like almost on a dime. They'll start divesting themselves of their own understanding of themselves where they're like, maybe they're a very confident person and suddenly they're, I can't get the words together because oh my God, you're my favorite and becomes like that. And and I was just started looking at what is that ephemeral sort of 
element. Like it's got to be- Why it puts everyone off balance. Exactly. Why does it throw everyone off suddenly? And then for the famous person, that's all you experience. You weren't in the room before you entered the room. Do you know what I mean? So it's like this, you know, pig pens, uh, little dust, dust cloud around you dust, all yeah. the time. You never don't see that when you're very famous. Um, so I started looking at that. And because I was in school at the time, um, I was noticing in, you know, my readers for particularly American literature and sociology, um, some great uh, theories that I could apply to the whole subject and, and, and to bolster also the theories that I already had about um, what's going on with the public at each of these stages of fame that, you know, begins and it equalizes and then it fades out. And then you have the, you, you know, you're the without and it's, but then there isn't really a without because it's like a lobster trap, which I don't in the book. So I started on that. And because I, I couldn't really get into writing the book um, in earnest until I graduated because the course was too much to do at the same time. So when I got out, I started writing it. And because I just finished, you know, writing college papers and uh, writing, uh, you know, my senior thesis and all of this, I got halfway, when I got halfway through it, I was at a meeting and you're getting the exclusive here. I was at a meeting with my book agent, um, with one of the publishers. And I mentioned this in uh, one of the publishers we were interviewing with. And I mentioned this in the book, but I don't mention what was said. And what she said was, because she was very, the one of the publishers there was very familiar with my writing, with my college blog that I'd kept all the years of, of school. Um, so she, she was familiar with this style of writing that I had. And, and she said, um, she said, okay, you have the sociological theories. This is in the academic version. You have all the sociological theories, because I'd written this big proposal and everything. She had all the sociological theories, and you have your experience. And then you have, and I'd done like 17 interviews with other famous people and transcribed all of that, which is more work than I ever thought it was going to be, you know, more time consuming rather, but it was great. Um, you've got these three pillars. They were trying to convince me to write a memoir, right? So they're like, why do you have all those? Why do you have the, th why are you hiding behind the three pillars? And she was saying it to try and convince me to write a memoir, which I'm completely disinterested in and, and always will be. But when she said that some switch got flipped in my head and I went, I went, oh my God, I know how I need to write this book now. But you do know you wrote a memoir with all the boring parts taken out. <laughs> I wrote I mean, an empirical study of fame because all I talk about in there is fame. I don't talk about my career. I don't talk about family. I don't talk my, about my friends except as they relate to fame. I kept it very focused on fame. And because I have such a direct experience with fame, it's a book that's unique in the sort of collection of what's been written about fame in the past. I mean, to my knowledge, I don't know that uh, you know, all the books that have been written about fame are from arm's length because they're not by people that have, you know, gone down gone down that river themselves. I mean, I could be wrong, but from what I, yeah, no, you know, I looked I, into. Certainly in, a, in now, like in the, probably certain books written by famous people talk about that ride. It's also but, something that famous people don't really talk about that much because it sounds so... Uh, braggadocious, almost like let me talk. Let me tell you what it's like to be famous. No, or something, but, but people use the term now too loosely. Real fame is not something you have to like brag. Real fame, the kind of fame you had, and I'm not being rude by saying you had to Justine. Her whole books about that. Yeah, it passed. What happens when I definitely? It, I mean, you're yeah. still super famous person to people our age, but you're not a famous person, as you yeah. say, you're not a famous person by face to people. Yeah, let's put it this way. Or, UCLA, none of my classmates knew who I was, but my professors did, which was helpful Helpful if I had to get into a crowded class. Yeah, your name is unbelievably famous still, but like um, you talk a lot about the the way in which um, that changed and how it affected you, how you became those, I mean, really an amazing thing in the book and and is how you in certain moments become like those people in the restaurant who change around fame. Yeah. As you, you know, two situations that you talk about. Yeah, where, where, where you're, you're like, like oh, that. I got to get this, you know, just a second, just a second. I got to get this picture. Hold on, hold on, hold on. If I just hold my phone up, phone up higher, oh, if I lean over, I can actually get in the picture. And I get, okay, I but got it, But even just the thing where you felt someone else is around you. But uh, here, I want to back up for a second, because you talk about in the book how you didn't consciously want fame. 
That wasn't yeah, like never, the target. Yeah. I know, I know very few actors, though, for whom the it. I mean, everyone always will say it's only the work, but like, there is a lifestyle that comes. Like, I. Well, I, maybe like, it's because of this. Maybe because my brother Jason got into acting, and really uh, just wanted to act. Honestly, he was uh, twelve, twelve or thirteen, and we had a na- an adult neighbor who was an actor. Um, he did plays and commercials and stuff. And so Jason was just genuinely curious with that. I mean, he should speak for himself, but I don't think it ever crossed his mind to be noticed for it, which I understand what you're saying. When you're older, you want recognition for any type of job you're doing, right? Yeah. And that happens, you know, the acting I do what I do because I like love telling these stories and, and it's amazing. you want people amazing. to say like, hey, I love I your love, show. But, By the way, I, I love your show. But I mean, I'm really <laughs> happy. Thank you. No, you've been very nice about the show. But... Um, but, so, but I would say, but but I like the fact, I'd be lying if I didn't say I like the fact that it does a whole bunch of, of wonderful things for, for me, personally. Okay. But at what age did, for you, did Billion start? Late, yeah, late. Yeah, obviously. you weren't 16. Yeah. You weren't still forming who but you are But even when I decided to become a writer, which was like to free myself, I've talked about it a lot. It, re- it was not at all, when I started writing, it was not at all to like become a famous writer. But, you know, the first day I walked on a movie set of a movie I wrote, Oof. did I like the identification awesome. of being yeah. like Dave and me, you know, the two of us, that I like the idea that like, oh yeah, I, I did this. But, don't, but I would yeah. argue that that's recognition for your work. But so is the kind of fame you had. But see, I don't agree. I don't agree that it was recognition for my work. Why? I think it was something else. It was some of that was there, or maybe it was like at the root of half of it. The rest of it is, oh my God, that cloud, that 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 fame cloud, it's over you. So it wasn't about me. It wasn't even necessarily about I know, about you my talk work. a lot about how the fame is put on you. Yeah, and, some, and they just can't... want to be near that. Because it, let's say that show is still on. Let's say I was still doing that. I can't, that, I mean, actually, it could be an interesting social experience, social experiment to make somebody, I don't know, The Simpsons have been going on for years. Anyway. And let's say the show's like hardly anyone's watching it anymore. Nobody would be coming up and saying, oh my God, oh my God. It's They want to be, and after that cloud moved off of me, it hovered over somebody else. I watched it, I remember one moment at a, at a nightclub once where I was like, there was another, uh, one, I mean, I was still quite well known, but there was somebody else there who was on a new show and, and I could see the way the bouncers were dealing with her and stuff. And I mean, I got, you know, this was like, I mean, I was still like in my 20s or something. I'm not saying like, well, you know, once I reached uh, 45 and the bouncers aren't chatting me up any, you know, I don't mean like that. But I watched that and I was like, oh, it's just gets like passed off, passed on to somebody else, passed, you pass it down, you know? Yeah. Um, but to finish the answer for the uh, for the other thing about, you know, did I... You say most actors, you know, want some kind of recognition for their work. So Jason had started acting. He was acting for about a year. My mom said to me, why don't you do a couple commercials for the hell of it? I mean, I've said this a ton of times. I'm totally repeating like a direct, I'm quoting myself. Um, and I was like, oh, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'd, acting had never crossed my mind. But you never, say in the ever, book, you, knew you, you, you say in the book, which I loved the frankness of this, like you said, you say uh, that you always knew you had a pretty face. Oh yeah, that and you yeah. knew it as you like just, just a part of who you were. You, you saw just, the way people reacted to you. You've, you just got that in your bag of stuff, like brown just, hair. Yeah, right. You just knew that was a thing, so it didn't. Seem, it must not seem like. Well, and the reason Brian's bringing this up is because for the listeners, because later in the book, I'm attacked online for, for getting older <laughs> for my face looking older, and the way and it was, I couldn't reconcile what they were saying with how I understood my own face and it really fucked me up. Yeah, which, uh, <laughs> but so you're saying you, when you started, and yeah, I don't want to talk through like talking points, you've hit a lot in your life, there's no point in it, but but I guess it was the only, well, let's go back here. Let's do this. So I never saw it, I never was, I never for a second thought, oh, I'm going to be an actress and people are going to know. I did, it never even- well, When you got even, family ties, did it, all right, let's start didn't this even way. Know, I didn't even know what was going on. I know you were on. a kid when you got it, but how would you have defined success for yourself then? You're 16, how old were you when you started on the show? Getting straight A's. 
Yeah. Getting and straight A's. That's what that success was. was. 100%. What about when you got the show? How about when I was at UCLA at 46? Getting fucking straight A's. That still mattered. That was to- that, it mattered huge. And really, and I knew, it's like, God, my, my, my academic ego is enormous. <laughs> right. So I was- You need that, re- I, that has to happen. I had to have, as, I mean, the first time I failed a test, a computer science exam, I was, I just like, I kept it together until I got to my car in the parking lot. And I just, ex- tears just exploded well, from my face. Those are hard classes, man. Those are hard classes. But still, classes. I had never, ever tested like that. Right. You know, my, my pal, Bomani Jones, who's considered the smartest person in sports. He has his own <laughs> show on ESPN. Um, his parents are both professors and he was in a, he said this on this show, he was in a PhD program when he, and the, the deep, deep math fucked him up. And the first time he didn't get an A, he was like, it called into question everything about it. So, right? so I was like, that shit. You're like, who I am I? But, but when you got the show, I'm saying, how would you have defined success for yourself in life, like as an actor? Or did you care? Did it See, matter I didn't, in that way? I didn't, even, I didn't even think about the fact that I had an acting career until I had been on the show a couple of years. I mean, I, I definitely fell into my vocation, you know. I mean, I definitely, I was gifted at it. It came easily to me, you know, breaking down scripts and all of that. And so there's no mistake there. Um, but, and, you know, and then and then it shifted, you know, to writing and directing and producing for me. But for a time there, that was definitely where I was supposed to be. For those 10 years in the beginning, and it went longer than that, but those first 10 years- well, well, seven years on Family Ties and then, then the other projects yeah. after. Yeah, so it's not like, I don't know, I just fell into acting and I guess it worked out. Not like that. Like, I do feel like I went in the direction I was needed to go, needed to go in, but I had no idea that that was the case. And so success on Family Ties then, during Family Ties, it was just all about making the work work. All about making the, the material work. And all about, and not in a people-pleasing way at all, but... Uh, pleasing, creatively pleasing, um, having a, a pleasing creative exchange with the other actors and the writers and the producers and the directors. And that was that was the success, the achievement. And then for me as an actor later then, it was, um, and this I failed at, but I really wanted to work with all the directors that were my favorite directors. Like at the time it was Coppola and Alan Rudolph and all these guys, right? Um, and that didn't happen, but I think because I was still in that moment in history where you didn't cross the membrane back and forth. I mean, you did some movies that mattered to people. Like like Satisfaction. Yeah. I know, but I wanted to work with like Jillian Armstrong and people like that, you know? And uh, so that would have, at the, that, so yeah, I failed at that. But I, I got to work with some cool people. If you're like me, you're looking to simplify your life in a way that doesn't involve staring at your phone. This is where Alexa skills come in. Whatever you're looking to do or accomplish, Alexa has a skill for that accessible through your Amazon Alexa device. Whether you want to check the forecast, discover a new artist, or set a schedule reminder, Alexa skills can help. Browse all skills available on Alexa by visiting the Amazon Alexa app. Just click on the skills and games tab or online at amazon.com skills. An easy way to find some of the best skills is to ask Alexa, Alexa, what are your best skills on any Alexa-enabled device? Find your favorites today. Look, you don't need to download or install any skill you want to use. Just ask Alexa to open a skill and it'll start. There are like 30,000 skills to choose from. Just go to the skills storefront uh, or the skills tab in your Amazon Alexa app. Um, I love the SAT word of the day thing because I'm a word geek. In fact, right now, hey, Nick, what, what, what shirt am I wearing? What does it say? I'd say I'm a grammar enthusiast, so I like the SAT word of the day. I also like the daily quotes. Try an Alexa skill today to simplify your life by simply saying, Alexa, what are your best skills to find some of our most popular skills? Amazon Alexa. I use it and love it. When you talk in the book, it's like, I believe you. I hear you now saying this. On the other hand... You know, you and I guess it was because I mean, you make it a point to say you didn't want to be considered difficult. So because you wanted to be able to work with great people, and you don't want to be tagged as like a difficult woman. Well, that was only in uh, that was only in publicity. Yeah, situations. well, this is what I was going to say though, right? But because you, like in the publicity, and I tried to separate out. I've tried to exclude almost all work situations in the book and just keep it focused on fame. But yeah, high risk of being considered 
difficult when it related to fame because you've got a lot of people like the investing thing we were talking about earlier, like a lot of people invested in the, they expect this to be a fun experience. And then you say, I don't want to sign this. And they're like, what? Like you, you are ruining this whole experience that they expected. Sure. Wait, wait. I want to go back to this idea because um, I understand that you kept the thing focused on fame, but in, do you not think that the book is really revealing about you, you and how you think about the world and what you were experiencing and like do you not think oh, sure. that we can I'm feel okay with that, though. yeah like i think yeah, you made I a really real choice that. to I, yeah reveal yourself well, i'm not saying you don't I reveal did, who you kissed but like nobody no. no adult reading the book is gonna care about who you kissed you're you do i think you take us through like i think your book goes farther than you think in a really good way because yeah. it it does tell us what it felt. It's a very personal memoir. Definitely in the past of tense. What it fe- felt like. Yes. To go through the world as Justine Bateman. I definitely did that. Of course, I'm doing it through the eyes of me now, but I absolutely, I don't know if you're like this. I mean, for some people, if they smell a certain smell, it takes them right back, yeah. or they hear a particular piece of music. Proust. For me, it's yeah. photographs. If I yeah, see a photograph really. and it's not like, oh, I remember um, who I was with that day or what day of the week it was. No, no, no. I remember exactly how I felt. Wow. Any photograph the, of you. To the extent that I have had to throw out photographs that were like a little like uh, uh, like wormed right back to that, that f- bad feeling I had about myself that my brain would not have been able to recall had I not seen that photograph. Like there's no access road to it except that photograph. So I did that. I went and looked at all the press pictures. Yeah, it's amazing. And I went back and I, and I, because it's not how I feel about things now. And it's something my publisher actually said. He goes, he goes, you know, um, are people going to feel like you're still there? And I was like, oh, but that's not the case at all. I'm, I'm just taking them through a trip. So that's why there's, there is one chapter added at the end where I'm like, here's where I'm at now. But I did want to emotionally time travel with people. I wanted to like, as if I could take them, gather them up, take them back to 1982, the start of this, you know, the, the, when the fame started for me, and then just narrate it to them, everything. Like, this is, what, this is what's going on for me right now. This is what's going on for me right now. And yeah, to the extent that now somebody, somebody, one of the, you know, is starting to do the press for the book now, and somebody asked me about, you know, what were your favorite moments on Family Ties? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I, I can't even, I can't even access the memory to that almost for two for two reasons. First of all, you have to read the. I can't. E- I don't even know how well I could go back and tell you what it felt like everywhere because like I dumped it in the book. Does that make sense? Of course. Like it got dumped and done. And my brain, almost like a test, but right? The, sure. You memorize stuff, you and take you the test, go. and then you, yeah. Well, you brought up the photo shoots, and I think for me, that's some of the most wrenching stuff in the book is is oh. understanding, like, you know, um, you you talk about the ascent and how, the way fame first like kind of got wrapped around you um, and how you try to get your arms around it, but- a couple of these stories that center around the photo shoots are harrowing. And could you just walk us through why the photo shoots are so freighted and, and what they represent to you about fame? But also, like, when someone sees a photo, like we used to do this once a season. Once a season, all the regulars have yeah. to go and do it this day, you know? Yeah, and yeah, so the junket. Well, before, the, they have to do this day oh. of just photos for the even the- Oh, mo- yes, of course. All the, the gallery know, for the poster. Shots. Yeah, all yeah. that shit, right? Oh my God, when we used to do that for family ties, <laughs> they'd go, they'd do the goofiest, they'd go, okay, now let's do, because you'd have to do, back then, there was, you didn't have, there was no online, you didn't have online, I mean, you know, not for any consumers, but you did not have online- uh, you didn't have a way to promote things online. So it was all about getting stuff in TV guide, like what's on tonight. And there you'd have like half a page would be pictures of different people um, reacting to each other. And so you'd have to do not only the gallery shots of like, here's the cast of the show, but you'd have to also do reaction shots. Like um, uh, the look on your face that goes, did you just break that jar? (laughs) Or the look on your face that goes, goes, was it me? 
or the look on your face that goes, the rolling of the eyes or the the, uh, home alone look on your face. And so you do this series of looks that like you loathe doing like, because you're just imagining how they're going to use them, right? And then what they do is they mix and match these pictures according to whatever the episode is about. And but, but, but talk, uh, yeah, talk sorry, about your image. But talk about like the the way in which your own image can get out of your control. Yeah, because that photo and, shoot when you were however old, you know, you show the bad photo shoot, the good oh, photo right, shoot. Right, right, right. But can you just talk about like what yeah. that felt like? To and you, I do want to say was? one thing. You know, when you say like, "Wow, this is so revealing for you," uh, and the thing is, like, I don't feel that way at all because it's it's. Um, it's rather universal with famous people. A lot of the stuff that I talk about. So I'm more so I'm more so a tour director sure. for the reader. I'm going to take you on a tour for fame of fame, and my journey through this is, and the stages that you go through, and the way the public reacts to you at each one of those stages, and how it feels inside, is somewhat universal for for a lot of different famous people. So it's almost like. I'm giving you insight into what it's like. Not, I'm not giving you, and frankly, I don't really give you insight into my life, what I really am all about. It's more so the journey through this, down this fame river. Sure, yes. <laughs> you say that like, right. Well, <laughs> I don't believe you. I have a good you. memory for what I read, and you know, I read the whole book. So no, I mean, yes, that's true. That's just um, how it feels for me. Sure, and that's more than Which valid. That speaks feel... to the craft of writing and the way you bring us to the point of view you want, right? It's point of view. And uh, so that makes sense. But you also do, you're brave enough, I think, as a writer to um, show us what it feels like to be in a group where there's a woman more famous than you and you feel small and insignificant and oh, yeah. miserable. And like- that's yes. So that's universal and that we've all been bigfooted by somebody in some place or in some way, um, like the athlete and the team or whatever. But the way you describe this pathetic feeling you have and the way you describe what you felt like reading those things online. I mean, that list, that italicized list. Oh, yeah. Say, yeah. That's- I'm doing, oh, I've got, I got a beauty for you. I'm doing, my second book is going to be about women's faces aging in the public eye. And while I was writing the fame book, Okay, so what Brian's referencing are, um, there was a point where um, there was a, and I'll get back to the two photo shoots yeah. too, but there was a point where, um, or actually I get, should I just go into that now? Go ahead, you can say or what just, you want okay. to say. We'll so, get there. Um, there was a point where I did a Google search of myself because, and I say like, look, you're trying to take your fame temperature online. You're like, where do I sit everywhere in relation to other people and Anyway, it's complicated because it's it's associated too with what kind of work opportunities you're going to get and stuff. And so it's a strange marriage there. Anyway, so this was a big mistake. I don't recommend it for anyone, Googling yourself, because autocomplete came up, which was Justine Bateman looks old. And it just stunned me because like like we were saying earlier, you know, yeah, a pretty face or one that society assumes, you know, is decided is pretty, you know, it was just like in my bag of stuff when I was born. I don't. You know, um, and also I'd always looked younger for my age. So, I mean, at this point, I think I was like 42, it's like 10 years ago. And I just like, I was just like blinking at that statement. Justine Bateman looks old. And I, I was like, I do? I don't think so. I mean, so I went, looked in the mirror. I mean, and I'd always wanted to look more, have more character in my face. And so I was starting to go in that direction, which I was so happy about and still am. Like, now I feel like I totally- I've earned my face. you earned now your face. I feel like my face represents me. There's no mistaking. You look at me, you know what I'm about. You know, it's not going to be like, oh, I assume she's going to be so nice and so just like- do whatever I say because she's got this pretty round, wholesome face and all this. And inside you're like, no, I'm I'm not like anyway. So yeah, that gets into what you're talking what this other photo shoot thing. Well, to talk it relates about. to the photo shoots uh, in in a way because it's about this image of you that gets projected and yeah. how to your discomfort when you were young right. with what you were inside. Yeah. And the way in which not only your face looked, but then the way that that 
um, was heightened and added to by the um, industry of selling pretty young girls as actresses, right? So True. And it was also like, um, you know, people, I feel like especially as people get older, um, they're more apt to want to compartmentalize things and put things in boxes and define them because it can feel like their own life is becoming unwieldy or uh, instead of it being a bunch of fun first things when you're growing up, like your your first kiss, your first car, your first job, you start getting a lot of firsts that are like, first time a parent dies, oh, first yeah. time you lose your house, first time you this and that. And so you wanna, I feel that a lot of people as we get older, they want to organize things. And you as a famous person are one of the things that they would like to have organized. Um, so they say, you are this to me, you are this type. And when you don't behave that way, or you don't look that way, or something, it can be, I think, unconsciously for them upsetting. And that's part of the part I see part of the sort of frustration and anger that yes. is uh, a little bit under the surface when when people, when you don't play along with what's the way they want to see you. Yeah, well, how dare you still be on the public stage reminding me that I've gotten older. And there's that too, yeah. Right, like how, how dare you change in that way and make me see relatively, like, you know. Or how dare you remove, and I mentioned this in the book, you become for people, I think, a treasure trail back to a moment in time where there weren't so many uncomfortable firsts, where things were more fun maybe for them. And when you are changing and you're in there, you know, if they keep looking at pictures of you when you were 20 or 16 or something, everything's fine because that's the treasure trail back to them, uh, have those moments in their own lives. But if you keep putting in their face pictures of you now, you destroy this treasure trail for them. You destroy it. So you're not only betraying like what, how they want to see you, but you are crushing their They're nostalgic, they're in their sense of So when I go online nostalgia. and I say, you know, if anyone does a reboot of Family Ties, I'll do everything in my power to discourage anybody from seeing it. And I think for some people, maybe it's like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> Why are you saying that? Like, no, I want to be able to. And I think right now, not that we're going to get into politics, but right now the way our country is, I think there's a lot of discomfort. And I think it makes perfect sense then that everybody would be rebooting everything so we can remember, can I still please live in a time in the 80s or the 90s before all this shit came yeah, down? Yeah, an idyllic time, but what, which wasn't, of course, for many, many people. No, but, but what, in, you know, well, I, I mean, our memories of every everything, you, you know, know we, you sort of, of course, shake it out, shake all the negative Boy, out. why wouldn't you want a reboot of Family Ties to happen? A few reasons. First of all, um, our showrunner and creator, Gary David Goldberg, has unfortunately passed away. Right. So... Number one, no. Number two, I feel like it would be such a disservice to the show and such a betrayal of the show and of what we made because I feel like it was like we we completely, it was complete. It was, it's a complete collection. It doesn't need to be redone. Also, it was very specific to that time. Yeah, there but it's none other- of our business. Like, I don't want anyone to remake Rounders. 20th anniversary of it this week. People, the movie means so much to people. I completely would hate it if someone would fucking remake that movie. Matt and Edward were, and John Mount, they were the perfect people for it. Exactly. On the other hand, none of my fucking business. If they wanted to remake it for the next generation to experience, it has nothing to do. We're gonna die. It's nothing to do with us old people who are gonna go die. All right. Well, here's do you the know thing. What I, mean? I think I, I feel like because- it was. But here's the thing. I think it was so specific to that time in history. Sure. You had, you know, Alex. Alex oh, the central King. problem in the show of the young, it was really conservative bound to the 80s. guy and the parents who it was really were bound to hippies. The 80s. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, sure. You want to, you know, reboot it and have the teenage son, you know, all into. Um, Trump or something, then I just like, then make a new fucking show. Sure. Like there's nothing about, unless you're going to pull the but family ties connection tying it into fame, I mean, 80s. do you think if that happened, it, it, I just have to, that it somehow makes uh, all of us just irrelevant? Is that part of it? That it's like, uh, you know, it's putting us on an ice flow in a way. Meaning, uh, 
Meaning that if there was we a new Mallory, who are you? Oh, sure. Well, I would be, I would, I would criticize whatever actress is playing her forever. <laughs> and if you know me, I don't criticize anybody That's in the so business funny. publicly. But you would, but I would do them. that. That's awesome. I would do that because I, I don't, I don't feel like it's. But you're <laughs> right. What the fuck? I'm not. I don't own that show. Yeah. I have no claim on the show at all. It's not like they need to get the copyright for me. It would just me. feel bad. I would just feel. And here's the other thing. Just generally, I feel like stop rebooting shit. Like there are so many great well, sure. writers, so many great ideas and people go like, oh, I guess there are no good ideas out there anymore. It's like, no, 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 no. There are a ton of great scripts out there, but there's a fear by those who are putting the money into the film that it won't do well. And so they like to, to do things that already have an established IP and that means reboot or something based on a comic book or something like that. And that's yes. the state we're in now. I want to get back to this photo shoot thing though, because- Oh yeah, okay. The difficult thing. You're talking about how you sit there at the photo shoot and you, you hate the makeup, the boring beige oatmeal, no edge, you hate the hair. Um, and on the one hand, you want to keep the piece. You say, keep the piece hanging over you always, always. Cautionary tales of other actresses in the past who were trouble, who were labeled as difficult. You didn't want that. That was the worst one, the end. The label that was the end couldn't get any worse. Difficult. So you say nothing. You're 20. You don't know shit. You don't know the truth that everyone has power. That everyone in power or whom you, who you assume has power is afraid of you. Afraid of the youth assumes the power of youth. You don't know that. You won't know that until you're older, too late to use that knowledge. I love that about the power of a, a young woman in the position you were in and actually uh, the currency that you had, which you're saying, I guess sometimes you felt it, but that in those situations you didn't. No, because you're like, here are these people. Uh, almost everyone there is has done more photo shoots than you. Um, and also there's a rigidity to the to the photo shoot. But know? how do they put the fame on you and take away your own agency? Because that's a lot of what the early part, you're talking about the early part of the book is your own loss of agency to the business of fame. That's a very good point. You're making me think of things that I should have put in the book. Um, so I'll say it, like what? Well, I think then, and this is, I haven't thought this through, but I think there's a sense too that because you do have fame, you can do whatever you want, that you have to, there has to be some control exerted upon you. Yeah. Like there's a lot of, I mean, haven't you ever seen it on a set where there's an infantilizing of some of the actors? And this is work related, not fame related, but there's, but because you, if you don't get your day shot, if some, one of the actors decides that they have a quote stomach ache and they're going to sit in their trailer and you lose four hours of shooting. So there's this assumption that we've got to keep them placated to, you know, and there's, so there's, there's an. an inf indulgent badly run sets. Yes. Yeah, not on yeah, our show. Not on your show. I'm not saying that. I'm saying. I've been, I've seen that. Yes. I haven't, but when so putting this show together, we made sure we wouldn't. So yeah. there's that. But then at the same time, there's oh, honey, let us take care of that. Not there's a there's a there's a placating, but then there's a control because there's a fear. Well, that, what does it feel like in the center of that, being the actor, being the famous person? You feel like there's a rigidity. You feel like there's a rigidity that you there's there's if you were to suggest like oh, can I uh, in this photo shoot can I do this different thing? then I do think a fear rises up in, and I'm not saying always, this is just like in some situations, there's a fear that rises up from all the other people involved, the photographer, the stylist, the makeup artist, the, the, mag the magazine editor, whoever's there. Oh fuck, this is gonna go out of control because we can't control the, the power that has been allowed this they person They need you on the cover fame. of their magazine. So, right? Yeah. And so, and, and I think there's, I think there's a fear or a, or a, that it's because some people do take it too far. Some people do, like a child would go, oh, is there really, there's, I can go down this road? Well, where does it stop? Well, well it's how, really I'm curious, how far does it go? It's really compelling in the book. So like the first piece of it is about the ascent to fame and what it feels like and how people change around you and all that shit. And then we get the sense of what happens when someone's as famous as the people on your show were at that time. You know, you talk about 
other than, I mean, you had stalker, stalkers stuff, but you talk about how you knew that your fame was like a buffer in terms of being able to kind of get you in any place you wanted to go. Yeah, that's weird. Like people just trust you. They trust no, you. They, they just, have no reason to. You could walk up to a group of strangers. They'll tell you anything you want to know. Yeah. They'll trippy. unburden themselves to you. There's no restaurant you can't get into. You could show up at a sold out concert and they'd walk you to the front row. Yeah. Your physical safety, other than like from crazy people, yeah. you're not worried about because you know people will protect you. I mean, you talk yeah. about all this stuff. It's trip. Yeah. And, but it's, it's, but it is unwieldy. I mean, all those things you're saying, I mean, we're just sitting here going, yeah, isn't that cool? That's fun. That's fun. If, if you could have all those things and control it, then what a great way to live. And in a way, money is like that. If you have a yeah. great deal of money, but because it's so unwieldy, you're just like, you're trying to enjoy these things while the, while you're trying to like manage this unwieldiness. It's like this grizzly bear is giving you a ride and you're like one, you know, one false move and like one of his claws could just like open an <laughs> artery, you know, you know what Are I you mean? aware of that when you're in the middle of it, you were aware that it was, that there was some kind of peril just outside of your sight? You're just swimming as fast as you can. It's so much, it's so fast, and it's so all around you that you are just keeping your head above water. You're just shooting the rapids. You're just shooting them, which is why when I mean, you get into the amazing a thing about the book. Shoot, yeah, when, yeah, go ahead, which is why when you get into a photo oh, why shoot. When you get the photo shoot, like you were saying, you're doing a lot of photo shoots too. And so you get to the photo shoot and if you're lucky, and most of the time you're lucky, that the photographer's really cool, the wardrobe that they've brought for you is cool, the makeup they put on you is cool, and everything's fine. But then you have one where they're like, hmm, let's see, let's have our hair like this. And and you're like, oh my God, this is so going in the wrong direction. Like, this is like, they're they're making me look like a, like a, uh, like a sort of a, a very conservative, like this isn't who I am. Uh, they're trying to, put, they're doing what they think like they should do for like a beauty, a beauty queen or a senator's wife or somebody, you, they're just trying to like super beautify it according to what, according to their standards and it's not, it's not you, right? So if you go, if you're to like, to, to stop that is to stick like a, a, a stick in the gears. And in the spokes of a bike or and, something. Yeah, and you just draw everything to a halt. Right. Yeah, really difficult. And yeah. and I mean, the great thing is no for me anyway, striking thing is like nobody really talks about this. Like it is kind of taboo for people to talk about the cost of fame and the oh, joys and of it. Especially the backside of it. Well, this is what I want to use. Nobody for. talks about that. And that's the most fascinating part of the book, is as, I think as so piece too. by piece. Yeah you are returned to being a normal person in a way who's but had you, this incredible, you're not. You're never, no, you're, allowed. Not. you're never allowed to go back. Somebody, when another journalist said to me, they were like, so like there's famous people and then there's people who have never been famous. And they said, and then there's a few of you that are just stuck in this limbo. You can't go to either. I mean, you're not allowed to, not not allowed, like I say, like I'll never reach that level of fame again. So yeah, I'm in this sort of more vague area where I can go months without getting recognized. And yet I'm, I never get to be completely unknown again. Well, also because online you are who you are. Online, well, I, you have a following, you're, and you interact with people. True. We, none, no, you know, there is that, I mean, you talk about that in the book, there, the, the way that the internet works now too, people oh, have yeah. little different levels of, that's um, true. Fame, but you talk about in the book, and it blew my mind. Like what it felt like to not get as good a table or to not get recognized. But to tell the reservationist thing because it's brutal. Oh, the how it used to work. I mean, just because sure. most like okay, we're all in the bit. Like, can you just really talk about? You know, there's a restaurant. It's in the New York Times restaurant review. Everybody in the world wants to go to the restaurant. Talk about what it was like for you when you were 22, and then what sort of yeah. happened. All right. How would, so, what would you have done that? Well, when you're very famous and they, you're, you know, you're with your friends and and they go, what do you want to do tonight? Oh, let's go to X restaurant that's got a great review or it's really hot or whatever. And they go, great. And you just call up and you just say, hey, this is, hey, uh, this is Justine Bateman. I mean, maybe even know the girl that works there, but hey, it's Justine Bateman. Uh, can I get a table tonight for, for four, like at eight? Sure, no problem. That's how it goes. That's just how it goes. Or All you can the, call, and you get used to that. You get used to that. But before you 
say your before you get to a point where you say your name up front, you maybe start out saying, "Hey, um, could I get a table for four tonight?" And they go, "Tonight? We have a three week waiting list." And you go, "Oh, okay." Now you know though your name probably has some currency there, so you go, "Just a minute, is there a waiting list?" Could I just give you my name and number just in case so that you have an opportunity to actually say your name? <laughs> and then they say, yeah, sure, okay. And you give them the number and you give them the name and they go, oh, can you hold on one minute? And now their tone changes. And then they come back on the line and they say, a table just, you know, it's not gonna be a problem. Right, boom. But then as you get, then as your fame fades, you kind of get used to that. Like, hey, it's Justine Bateman. I just wanna see if I get a table. And they go, I'm sorry, who is this? Do you have a reservation already? Like, why are you saying your name to me? So you only need that to happen a couple of Brutal. times before you just stop using that entirely. And then you go back to the, do you have a table for four? And then you do keep using, is there a waiting list? And then you give them the name and number just in case that person does recognize your oh. name or they're, they were a fan from way back or something. And then you stop, you know, this is, and then you stop using that entirely. And then you just, but, but, and then you just make reservations like everyone else. But that's the progression. That's the life cycle of. Do you notice whether people in the restaurant? Do you still, does some part of your brain still, when you walk into a restaurant, wonder if people know who you are, or, Not is, or is it gone now completely? I don't because I went through a period where I just told myself because I I couldn't stand that um, uh, limbo, that limbo of like you go out in public, sort of. Um, not expecting people to um, to recognize you like you want them to, but rather, are, am I going to have to be on guard? Are people going to come right. up to me? But it wasn't happening often enough for me to be on guard so all let the time. It go. And so I got to a point where I was like, I was like, fuck, I don't. Want, this is exhausting. Like I don't, I don't want to still be in that state that I had to be in for you know like twenty years. So I started telling myself. I'm not famous, I'm not famous, I'm not famous. Nobody knows who I am. Nobody, 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 nobody. So then when people come up to me, it was more like, and say, weren't you on Family Ties? You go like, oh, yeah, I, I, yeah, a long time ago. And it was more of a surprise rather than, rather than being keyed Wait, up for it unnecessarily all the time. Did that make you sad though to have to say to yourself, I'm, I'm not famous, nobody knows you, nobody? Because no. that was no, okay for you. it was really more of like, um, It'd be almost like um, being afraid somebody's going to uh, knock on your door. Uh -huh. And so you're keyed up for it, you're keyed up for it, keyed up for it. Oh, it's an anxiety le lessener. It's like you lessen the anxiety in a way. Yeah, I don't know if it's anxiety as much as a, um, like a, uh, you, your muscles are all tensed, you know, waiting for a race to start, waiting for a race uh, to start, waiting yeah. for a race to start. And then you're just like, look, race races starting happens so infrequently now. Why don't I just... If a race starts, I'll get my feet in the blocks. I'll start running. Yeah. But otherwise, I'm just gonna just sit over here. How do you process, the, um, and how does it affect you? How do you process your brother's extraordinary fame? Isn't it great? He's, you know, Jason and really- And did it hit, not to ask you to, uh, as you watched this all happen for him, because he's been very famous for a very long time now. Sure. And has had, not Travolta-like exactly, but in a way, he's had, like huge hit, you know, culture with cultural significance, like huge cultural significance a couple times. But we're not talking about, we're not talking about the Hogan family, right? No. Okay. Right. So when he, when Jason and I were both on shows at the I same time. I don't even time, remember what that is. Right? So he was on Valerie, which turned into oh, the sure. Hogan family. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And before that, Little House on the Prairie and all this sort of thing. And then, well, see, the thing with Jason is he had this slow burn, right? And then he shot up, like you're saying, the Travolta-like thing. But I, it's not like, but he didn't have arrested development when he was 12 and then had another thing that superseded that at 28. I mean, he shot up with arrested development and then pretty much stayed there. And the thing about Jason, and that this is the thing I wish I had done, but it was too big and too unwieldy for me to be thinking, and I was too young to be thinking straight about it, but he's taken his fame. I hope he doesn't mind my speaking for him, but this is just my observation of it. He's taken that currency and he has put it in the bank of career decisions, of he's set things up for himself as a producer, as a director, and that's the right thing to do with it. I mean, if you have, 
if you can think clearly about it as it's happening and you start taking those coins and you put it in this slot and this slot and this slot professionally, you really yes, set yourself up. Yes, he's managed it fine, but, but he is extraordinary. He is your brother and he's just got this whole book. You know, I think a lot of people have the experience out of it, which is reading it, but you're, and also being like, well, as Justine sort of went in this other direction and then went back to school and tried to sort of grapple with what this stuff means, right there, her brother is still... Well, see, that's the thing. As far as something becoming suddenly very popular, you just don't have any control over that. Ah, yeah, right. So, yeah, so our our careers were, as far as what we were doing, were fairly parallel for a while. And then I started getting into digital media and writing and producing and stuff. And it wasn't me looking for how do I, how do I deal with a post-family ties life. Right. It wasn't like that at all. It was more like my natural trajectory. And then around that same time, Jason, like, went through the roof with the rest of development. And I just went, oh, wow. I mean, that's, it's, it's, it was very, it, to your question, it was very interesting to watch not being inside of it because the, What's the, the last uh, time I'd seen that happen, I was in the inside of, I was on I'm the inside of the I'm just blanking on the name of the Diablo Cody movie. The, the Ellen oh, Page Juno. Diablo. Yeah. Uh -huh. So like Juno, right? Juno yeah. and Arrested Development were sort of yeah. around the same time. Yeah, that when was the whole huge thing too. just sort of like that's what I'm saying. Like it was yeah, the last time I had seen that from, you know, you're talking about earlier, you know, people like being friends with somebody and then they shoot up to great fame. The last time I had known of one of those situations uh, you know, very close at hand, it was me. I, I was on the inside of the rocket, so it was interesting to see with Jason watching yes. from the outside of the rocket. Like, oh, what a different perspective to actually. That's what watch I wanted to know. Happen. Did you do you have that perspective when you're yeah. out with them? Are you protective? I like if am, you go to dinner, are you sort of now being knowing yeah, so much about like, this protective of it? It's or like not? you you know how you 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 understand how it goes. You understand that you cannot stay physically in one spot for too long, or people will start. You know, it's like. And I don't mean this to sound derogatory to fans or anything, but it's almost like fruit flies. Like if, if you had a, a plate of fruit and you're moving it around your apartment all the time, but once you set it down and then you and then you come back later and you're like, oh my God, where did all the fruit all flies come with from? the fruit flies, yeah. Well, how did that happen? So if you keep moving, it, it, you don't get, it, it doesn't settle in like that. So look, the, the problem uh, with reading a book like this when someone as smart as Justine is that we could talk for a long time and still really not get to it. Um, I, I have just like one or two more things to ask Great. you, and then everyone should read fame. Yeah, just cut me off if I'm going on about something. No, um, no, you're it's awesome. I <laughs> love listening to you talk. Uh, I just how now do you check in with yourself? Like, because you you had to you had to become a writer, unless you wrote for school, but writing a book uh, to be published is a different thing. What was the process like? Like, how did you actually practically write the book? Well, I've always been. I mean, even though I. My profession was, you know, acting, of course, from 16 to whatever. Um, I feel like I've, I've been more primarily a writer of, you know, things, you know, short stories, poems, blah, 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 school papers, whatever. Just, I think, more that way. Um, so I knew with this, how did I organize it? Was that the question? Did you write every day? No, how did you, like, yeah. Oh, okay, that's funny. Oh, this, for this particular book? Well, like I told you, I started thinking about it then to take notes. And for me, creatively, whether, you know, in the past, well, no, it doesn't make sense with acting. I'll just say with, with writing, um, yeah, primarily with writing or other, like, you know, when I've, I used to make uh, collages and stuff, you know, just for me, right? Just doing some art. Um, things have to bake for me. They have to bake for a while. And then I get to a day, like there's a few projects I'm thinking about writing uh, that I've been baking for a while. And when they're ready to be taken out of the oven and sort of put on the page, then that's, you know, I know for other people, it's a different process. And then you write They'll quickly write from there? And then I write quickly from there. So with this one, I told you for two years, I mean, I was doing my course load primarily, right? But in the back of my head, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm taking notes, I'm making notes in my course reader, whatever, you know, different, like Hugh Henry Brackenridge quotes I want to use from, you know, American um, literature class. And then when I started writing it in earnest, the, um, when I graduated, the academic version, um, that was because I, had, I was citing so many different sociologists and everything, you know, 
Yeah, I would write it, you know, kind of every day. But if there was a day where I didn't really feel like there was something coming, I, I would never force it or sit down and make sure I write from eight to five or anything like that. But then when I decided to change everything and make it a different, I just sat down and did nothing but write and I wrote it in three weeks. Sick, right. Then you were just like, bang, I have it now. I know what it is. And you just wrote. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to read what you do next. The book is out October 2nd. Yeah. You can order, pre-order it now. You can follow Justine Bateman on Twitter, just under your name. Is your yeah, name? just Justine. And I, I want to say, too, that I, uh, I have a film short called Five Minutes that is going to be on October 1st, so right around the same time. Um, that's going to be on Amazon uh, Prime. That you directed. That I d- wrote and directed, directed. That um, Rob Benedict is in. And it's really funny. I I recommend you check it out. And uh, I think you'll want to pass it, pass it on when you see what the uh, punchline is. All right. So October 1st, watch that. And then, you know, order order the book and read it. It's, um, you know, I've been around... Re- I've been around famous people for a long time and worked really closely with them. And I would say nobody really talks about what it feels like to be at the eye of that storm. And and you can watch it up close and still not really feel what it's like, but reading your book, you really feel what it's like. So thanks for writing it. Yeah, my hope was that Michael Hare is one of my favorite authors. I mean, and I'm not comparing myself to him. And his book Dispatches, Dis- Dispatches yeah. about being in war. And I've never been near war, but it made me feel like that's that's what goes on in your head while you're there. And I hope in some, you know, less grand way, of course, that's Michael Hare, but I hope people can get that same feeling from fame, that after reading it, they can f- really feel like they have experienced it. I think that they can. Hey, you can find me at Brian Koppelman on Twitter at the moment, bk at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. Bye.